You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. This analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live from 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's Anarchist World This Week. And if you think the quality of the broadcast has improved, it has improved because we're back in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. And the producer of the Anarchist World This Week, the young and talented Kelly, is here. You have a Clydesdale, which is Kelly, doing all the work. You've got a show pony, me, getting the glory. But that's the way it goes in life, isn't it? Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, it's not about Clydesdales and show ponies. There are no Clydesdales or show ponies in anarchist society. We're all people and animals. Who knows? Well, anarchos without rulers. Now, I may surprise you because you may be an anarchist and you don't even know about it. You know, they talk about unconscious bias. Well, how about unconscious anarchism? An anarchist is somebody who wants to live in a society without rulers. Not without rules. Without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to make decisions for billions, hundreds of millions, millions of people? It's very simple inequalities in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is revolves around the idea of sharing power that's devolving power, possibly through direct democratic mechanisms and by holding wealth in common and using it for the common good. So if you're involved in the struggle to devolve or share power or to ensure that everybody gets a bite at the cake you know, on the community table... Well, then, whether you acknowledge it or not, you're an anarchist. Sorry to tell you. Unconscious anarchism. All right, it's been an extraordinary week. I just can't believe what I've had to put up with. I mean, you're lucky. You listen to me and you can turn me off. But in order for me to present this program, I need to listen, look, read, analyse. And sometimes the shit I've got to go through in order to present the anarchist world this week, the intellectual drivel, the garbage, makes me feel dirty at the end of the day. And I am feeling dirty this week because of what I've had to do to bring these ideas across to you. Now, I cannot believe the stupidity 
stupidity of governments at the state and federal level in this country. Now, I know COVID-19 is an issue, and we've dealt it with it reasonably well. But it's obvious to anybody with one synapsing neuron, not half a brain, one synapsing neuron, that quarantine is the mechanism that is used in order to contain a a communicable disease. They did it in the 19th century, they did it in the 18th century, quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Now, so what do we do? There are tens of thousands of Australians who want to get back home, and I understand that. So we quarantine them. But where do we quarantine them? We quarantine them in the city's CBD. And we've seen the disaster that occurred in Melbourne and the unnecessary deaths which occurred over 800 and the unnecessary economic pain which was experienced mainly by small business in Victoria and Melbourne. And we are now seeing the same situation in South Australia. We're a cleaner who was involved in cleaning one of these hotels picked up the virus. Because obviously people who are coming across from overseas have a reasonable risk of having the virus. That's why they're quarantined. Now, I'm old enough to remember the good old days, in inverted commas, not that there were ever any good old days, when asylum seekers and refugees were housed at Woomera. That's right, in the middle of Australia. Now, I don't want to, you know, add any extra burden to the people of Christmas Island. You know, they've had to put up with a lot of garbage over the years. So why not reopen the Woomera facilities as a quarantine space for people who are coming across from overseas. We could bring in many more people. We could quarantine them in a relatively safe manner and if the disease breaks out in people who are involved in that quarantine situation, it can be contained. Why do we continue as a society to say that we need to do it in the city CBD when we've seen what happens in these situations. So let's reopen it. And to add extra, why should individuals who are returning or are forced to quarantine have to fork out thousands of dollars in order to pay for that quarantine facility when it could be provided free of charge by the federal government down at Woomera? Think about it. Remember... If you're tackling a disease to which there is no vaccination and no treatment, you need to use your brains. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, we hear about fuggery, fugs. If you look at the definition of the word fug, it comes from a, uh, I think it comes from an Indian group whose job it was to assassinate people, but fuggery. And stupidity. Now, I know that most listeners to this program think of the Hawke-Keating government as the governments that were, you know, truly Labor Party governments. Well, let's not forget the Hawke-Keating governments were governments which opened the floodgates to the privatisation 
globalization, corporatization, and deregulation floods, which have flooded this country over the last four decades. And I'm going to tell you a little story. Now, if you bought something for $2.80 in 1994 and sold it for $311.24 in November 2020, you would consider you've got a bargain. Well, Mr Keating, you may remember, was Prime Minister of this country in 1994. And what's 1994 famous for? Well, in 1994, Mr Keating and his Labour cronies privatised an institution which had been formed in 1916 which was government-owned, to create vaccines, anti-venom antidotes, and later on in the 50s and 60s, blood products for the people of this country. 1916. 1916. This was a public asset. Well, in 1994, Mr Keating, in his rush to privatise and join, you know, the uh, monetary moguls, was responsible in June 1994 for privatising the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. That's right, privatising the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. And this institution, which had been in public hands since 1916, which provided an invaluable service to the Australian community, which made a profit every year, was privatised for the princely sum of $2.80 per share. If you look at the share price of the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory 16 years later, in 2020, it is $311.24. So if you bought the shares in 1994 for $2.80 from the Australian government under the leadership of Mr Paul Keating, you've, you would for $2.80 and you held on to those shares and you sold them today, you'd make an extraordinary profit. It's a little bit like betting on a horse at 150 to 1. So why am I so annoyed about the situation? Now, they recouped $299 million, capital M, million dollars, for selling the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. So why am I angry in 2020? Why have I continued to be annoyed for the last 16 years? I'll tell you why. This week, we saw a brilliant example of corporate fuggery and how the government, the Morrison-led government, kowtowed to this corporate fuggery. Now, Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, which is now a wholly privatised organisation, which provides anti venine influenza vaccines, etc., etc., not just for Australia, but for you know, other parts of the world, 
said to the federal government, well, as 2026 approaches, we may not be in a position to continue to produce vaccines, blood products and antivenemes in Australia. Let's not forget that CSL currently employs over 25,000 people. But if you could put a little bit of money in our begging bowl, we could, you know, update our premises and continue production to 2036 and allow you to have security as far as vaccines are concerned and blood products. So what does the federal government do? Because it's got no option. Well, it does have options, but it's not willing to follow those options. It gives them $1.2 billion of your money to a private corporation to update its facilities to ensure that it continues to produce fundamental, essential products for the people of this country. If you don't call that corporate fuggery, what else is it? And we've got Mr Keating to blame, who in 1994 felt it was a good idea to privatise the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, who continue to use the name Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, like the Commonwealth Bank. And the whole concept of the Commonwealth of Australia, and the Commonwealth Bank and the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories was to ensure that the, the wealth was held in common. So no wonder I'm annoyed. Now, as far as I'm concerned, this is a crime against humanity. I know you may think, oh, you know, this is, this is too much. But think about it. In an era of pandemics, if we had a publicly owned Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, which will be celebrated its 104th birthday this year, that facility could have been used, not private facilities or private public partnerships with universities, could have been used to, in an attempt to develop a COVID-19 vaccine. So this is what privatisation does. You sell an essential service for $299 million in 1994 and in 2020 you give that private corporation $1.2 billion in order to continue production in this country. And if you're not angry, I don't think anything will ever make you annoyed. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Now, it gets better. Now, you may have caught the announcement, if you lived in Victoria, that the Victorian government is going to pump, I think, about $5 billion over the next four years. Not that I actually believe what they say, because they were going to build some public housing units, into public, into affordable community and social housing. What a joke. What a total joke. And they're going to house 25,000 people for $5 billion. What a joke. At the same time, when you look at the figures, some of that money will be used to actually update some public housing facilities for elderly residents.
So here we have a Labor government, and I call Mr Andrews the new Kennett. There's no difference between Kennett and Andrews when you look at them closely. No difference whatsoever, although they dislike each other immensely. But as far as intellectually, socially, culturally, they come from the same failed chemistry test. Here they are, going to give the private sector public land build social, community and affordable housing which will be managed and run by the private sector to provide public housing for individuals and hopefully families. What a total joke. Now, we have been campaigning against this for a number of years with no results except in 2018 when we spent 10 days on the steps of the Victorian Parliament, and I thank all those people who joined us on that, during that protest or that occupation. I'd like to thank you because you did make an effort and the government was so concerned that they promised they would build another 1,100 public housing units. What's happened to that promise? Nothing. Not one thing. So here we have the privatised assumption that led to the second wave of coronavirus in Victoria that only the private sector can deal with these situations, the same assumptions being used in the social, community and affordable housing scam. It is nothing more than a scam. Nothing more than a scam. It's pathetic. It's like the privatisation of the aged care sector and we've seen what happened in that situation as far as COVID-19 is concerned. We see it in the privatisation of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. We see it in the National Broadband Network which is going to be privatised once it's uh, all set up and the list goes on and on. So here we have the privatisation virus infecting both the Labor Party and the Liberal National Party. It is part of their DNA in 2020. They are incapable of thinking outside that box. Now, governments in the 1910s and the 1920s set up national institutions which provided national services for the people of this country. The Commonwealth Serum Laboratories in 2000, in, 19, in the middle of the World War I, in 1916. The Commonwealth Bank in 1911. Telstra, or Telecom as it used to be known, and the list goes on and on. Provide the service, share the burden, share the service provisions. And in 2020, instead of the Morrison-led government saying, stuff you, see it, privatise CSL, we will set up, we will use that $1.2 billion to set up a new publicly owned organisation in this country which will provide vaccines, antivenines and blood products for the people of this country and the, our surrounding neighbours... No, they give $1.2 billion to the private sector. And when we look at the Andrews 
Kennett government, and I call them Andrews Kennett because there's no difference in their thinking, we see that government give billions of dollars, give away public land to the private sector to provide services or so-called housing under the private sector to people who need urgent accommodation. So, what are we going to do about it? Well, we can do nothing about it and say, ah, that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. And then I think to myself, well, remember when they started the anti-slavery movement and slavery was a common feature of every society in the world? And I'm not talking about wage slavery, but I'm talking about slavery when human beings were bought and sold. And I'm thinking, hmm, interesting, isn't it? It's interesting, you know. The Western world is quite interesting in terms of slavery in the past. Well, obviously there is slavery now, but that's a different issue. Because, you know, children of slaves were were considered to be property and were slaves. Well, I was was, um, looking at some information regarding the Aztec Empire in the 1500s in uh, central uh, Mexico. It was interesting there. They had slaves. They were fundamental to their society in terms of providing services and human sacrifices. But the interesting thing is their children, the children of slaves, were actually citizens of that empire, which was, which was interesting. It was a way of actually incorporating people into it. The same with the Roman Empire. They had slaves. It was fundamental to the way they worked. But slaves could actually, buy, could, could actually achieve freedom, become Roman citizens in a number of cases. So it was a good way of maintaining social cohesion. But let's get him back. Let's get back to what I'm trying to say. Is here we are. We shrug our shoulders and we say, oh, can't do anything about it. Well, obviously we can do something about it. Obviously we can do something about it. And human beings have always done things about things over the past. Now, obviously it's very difficult and it's not easy. It was easy. Well, you know, we do it with a click of a finger. But it's, it's struggle, which actually changes. We don't have human sacrifices. We did have human sacrifices. And the list goes on and on. When you look at how humanity changes, and it changes through struggle. It changes through struggle. So all those of you who shrug your shoulders and say, oh, there's not much I can do about it. Well, if you don't listen to the program, I don't care. Okay? Then you've got the group who say, oh, oh. I should do something about that. Then they watch the State of Origin finals on tonight. You know, forget all about it. Well, if you think you should do something about that, well, there are things you can do. You don't have to join the stuff I talk about because you may think it's ridiculous. But there are many organisations in this society which are trying to do something about what's happening in the world today, especially what's happening in this country today. There are many, many organisations. And one of those organisations, which I'm the uh, registered officer for, is Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, which I talk about, you know, every week, mention it every week. And I keep saying to people, if you want political change and you're not a revolutionary and you're into reform 
and you want change and you want to be part of the political process, the current political process, well, well, then why don't you join public interest before corporate interest? They've got so many interesting policies, like a universal basic income, a treaty with this country's First Nations peoples, and the list goes on and on. Public infrastructure, public services, things like a public Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, a public bank, establish public institutions to compete with private institutions in a mixed economy. So there's real competition amongst those organisations and it's very easy to join. We're not asking you for money or your social, you know, your PIN number to your bank account. It's very simple. You can download the application for from pipsi.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Ain't computer literate. We're not like other organisations here in the Anarchist World this week. You know, we cater for everybody. That's right. We cater for all levels of uh, technological expertise. You can always leave a message on 0439 395 489 and I'm happy to send you out some application forms. And, or you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And while I'm talking about uh, sites to look at, you can look at Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube presentation. You can look at my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. There's some interesting stuff there and some boring stuff like everywhere else. Now, I'm not saying Public Interest Before Corporate Interest is a perfect organisation. It's an organisation made up of human beings. We have our differences. We have our foibles. We, are, we have our feet of clay. But at least... We're not into the privatisation game. We're not interested in the globalisation game, the corporatisation game, the deregulation game, which the major political parties are interested in. We march to a different drum beat, and we want you to join us. Because our plan was, and I don't think it's going to come to fruition because of a lack of membership, our plan was to apply for registration as a federal political party by June 2021, so we could actually stand in the 2022 election, federal election and possibly in the 2022 Victorian state election. But currently, the numbers are not there. We need at least another 120 members on the electoral roll. So, if you're interested, join. If you're not, fair enough. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Scar. I'm hosting today's program. Yes, sacred cow. We don't slaughter sacred cows. We just corral them and make sure they don't trample on people. But that's a different story. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. How would you like to be part of World War Three? be interesting, wouldn't it? You wouldn't be around for long as those nuclear bombs rain down on you. I've been interested in the um, advertisements which have been pushed out by the Australian Defence Forces. Uh, ad nauseum. Join the Navy. Join the Air Force. Join the Army. Just before the horrendous, horrendous uh, report on the SAS's activities um, in Afghanistan. Look, 
I know that they're going to hang out a few bad apples, in inverted commas, and uh, blame them for everything that happened. But let's look a little bit beyond the bad apples, because that's the story they want us to think, is everything's fine, the military training is fine, what we do is fine, there are just a few bad apples that slip through and they kill, you know, they kill people, you know, murdered people. That's what they want us to think. Now, what happened in Afghanistan is a common feature of uh, most military forces around the world. It's not an Australian disease. Common feature. It's a common feature of military training because what you've got to do in military training, you need to break down the individual and then remould them in such a fashion as they're willing to kill other people. I mean, that's what armed forces are about. It's about killing other people. Now, as human beings, we do kill. But we may kill because we psychiatrically have issues. We may kill because we're angry. We may kill because we're greedy. But it's not something that human beings do on a regular basis. You, know, you don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to kill five people today. It's, this, it's, this, it's different when you're in a member of the armed forces. That is your ultimate goal. It's to neutralise. You like that word? Neutralise the enemy. So when they try, and they will hang out a few bad apples, in inverted commas, for the atrocities that occurred in Afghanistan, let's not forget that these atrocities occurred over a 15-year period. A 15-year period. Didn't anybody know? Wasn't anybody aware of it in authority? Weren't the generals aware of what was going on? Weren't all those politicians who rushed over to Afghanistan to have their pictures taken for political purposes, you know, in the dust of the Australian army bases, you know, so they could get a, garner a few votes back in Australia? Weren't they aware of what was going on? Why has it taken four years for the investigation to progress to this level? Obviously, it's got to this level because there are many decent people in the Australian Armed Forces who were revolted by the attitudes which were created in them by the authorities as they attempted to create these human-killing robots. Think about it. Think about it. So lay the blame further than the individual. Lay the blame on the military apparatus. Lay the blame on the political apparatus which allowed this to occur. Lay the blame on the concept there were no checks and balances to ensure this type of behaviour was nipped in the bud when it first started in 2008. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. As I said... We've got an extraordinary program today. There's a lot of extraordinary garbage happening in the world today. Now, let's go back to World War Three. Now, you may not have noticed, but the Japanese constitution uh, basically says that the Japanese can only be involved in activities of self-defence. And after the horrors of World War Two, the Japanese people have, irrespective of the colour of their governments, have wanted to continue this constitutional arrangements. 
Now, something very interesting happened in the last 48 hours. The Australian government and the Japanese government signed an agreement to basically exchange military forces. Now, let's not forget we have over 3,000 United States troops based in and around Darwin. The Pine Gap has been part of the military technological industrial complex for generations in this country. And there are obviously there are other secret bases in central Australia which are essential to the United States uh, activities around the world. Let's not forget that. But now we've signed this memorandum of agreement with the Japanese government. So what's all this about? Well, it's all about containing China. And sometimes you feel like a spectator, because we are spectators, as we see things moving slowly to initially a new Cold War and possibly a real war. As the military pieces, as the chess pieces and the military board are actually being moved around, as we see the increased cooperation between Japan, India, the United States to contain the Chinese government. And guess what? If you think Australia is immune, as we are to a significant degree from COVID-19 because of our social because our geographical isolation, think again. A prime target in this country is Darwin. A prime target is Alice Springs, and a prime target is Pine Gap. And all these treaties we've entered into are all about making us a prime target in order to maintain the integrity of the corporate capitalist dream. Profits at any cost. And if it means waving the nationalist flag, saluting the armed forces, saluting the military flypast, well, that's what it's all about. We're Australians. It's all about protecting Australian values. I love that one. Australian values. And I'm thinking to myself... What's an Australian value? Is an Australian value having 1.2 million children living in poverty in the land of plenty? Is an Australian value the inability of those who stole the land to apologise and reconcile with this country's First Nations people? Is an Australian value to put in our, our uh, so-called international interests before the interests of the people of this country? Is it an Australian value to bring in 1.7 million temporary workers into this country in order to destroy what's left of the, of the, of the Australian trade union movement? I'm thinking, what's an Australian value? What is an Australian value? Now, if you can come up with some Australian values, please let me know. Please let me know because I've been looking for Australian values for a long, long, long time. 
is an Australian value demonising asylum seekers and refugees and holding them in detention camps for years? Is that an Australian value? Is it an Australian value to unleash Australia's military forces in some of the most most of the most exploited, I don't use the word disadvantage, it's a horrible word, exploited communities in this country in the intervention in 2007. Is that an Australian value? I don't know. Maybe you know. I mean, I was born in this country. Maybe I should have learnt about Australian values in school. Who knows? Okay, let's move on. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, this is not a bitching program, all right? We analyse things, we look at things. If we're unhappy with things, we talk about them. But at the same time, we talk about what you can do in order to overcome these problems. Anybody can sit in a corner and carry on over a cup of coffee and then go home and do nothing about it. But it's the activist, it's that individual initially, and that small group that is the engine room of change. They're the ones that are involved in change. And if it wasn't for people like you listening to the Anarchist World this week, getting involved, nothing would ever change. Nothing would ever change. We'd still be attaching skulls of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in the front of our houses to keep them away if we didn't, you know, fought back. Nothing would ever change. Now let's move on. I mean, it's it's a terrible program, isn't it? Declaration of War, Crimes Against Humanity. Well, guess what? The COVID-19 crisis is over. I'll tell you why. Because I've seen a declaration of war a declaration of war by the Liberal National Party and large segments of the Labor Party on the Australian people. But before we go into this declaration of war, I want to talk about the robo-debt fiasco. If I came to your place and stood over you and said you owed me five grand and you can't prove that you don't owe me five grand, not that I have to prove that I owe you five grand... I'm going to punch your lights out. You'd call the police. I'd be charged. And known because I host the Anarchist World this week, I'd be imprisoned. But not the federal government. 400,000 people on social security benefits. That's right. That's the word. Social security benefits. Not welfare. But social security benefits harassed by the federal government. Many plunged into, into uh, anxiety. Some even committed suicide. The federal government said, you owe us money. And you, if you can't prove that you don't owe us money, so the reversal of proof, it's usually the other way around, supposedly in a liberal democratic society, the onus of proof is on the state, not on the individual, right? We will beat you to a pulp. And they did it for years. And they knew that the algorithms they were using, the computers, you know, those wonderful things they were using in order to work out who owed a debt and who not, who didn't owe a debt was a lot of crap. 
But this was a declaration of war on the Australian people. And now we're told, oh, well, it was illegal. But is anybody jailed? Will anybody go to court? Will anybody be prosecuted for the anxiety and mental distress for the suicides that occurred because of the robo-debt fiasco? No. Life goes on. And they're really lucky. They're going to get $238 each in compensation as well as have their debt waived. Wow. If I could get away with that, I'd be knocking on every door in uh, in Australia asking people for money. <laughs> Extraordinary. But the declaration of war goes further. If you think the peace treaty that was drawn up by governments in this land and the corporate sector with the Australian people during the COVID-19 crisis is still enforced, forget about it. What's all the news about? Well, it's obviously about decreasing JobKeeper, decreasing JobSeeker to the poverty levels of the $40 a day thing. But more importantly, the language is changing. And remember, it's the change in language which points to what's about to occur in our society. And that declaration of war against Social Security recipients has been restated. We've just had a Senate committee dominated by the Liberal National Party tell us how wonderful the basic card is and how maybe it should be extended from the Aboriginal communities and a few other communities around the country to the rest of people in Social Security benefits. Isn't that wonderful? And then we have the other hue and cry about those lazy fruit pickers. There's none of those tourists coming to pick fruit. All those people, on, you know, 1.7 million temporary workers who are, many have gone home. It's not enough for them to pick fruit. So we need those lazy, lazy, lazy Australians on social security benefits or on low-wage incomes to go out there and help the farmers pick their fruit. Well, let's look at it. Let's look at corporate agribusiness in this country. Let's look at the people at the end of the scale. Now, most farms around this country that use labour find themselves in a very difficult position. On the one hand... They've got the domination of the fresh fruit and vegetable industry by a few large corporations who continue to put pressure on them to produce food at minimum prices. Then we have these also large corporations which process food, fruit and food and milk, putting pressure on farmers to produce goods at the lowest price, okay? So you've got this pressure on the farming group. And if it's a huge conglomeration, which most agribusiness is, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to the small farmers, they're the ones who are actually suffering the most. Then you've got them trying to make a profit. And how do you make a profit? You reduce your labour costs. How do you reduce your labour costs? 
you pay them the minimum wage. How do you reduce your labour cost? You use illegal labour. You pay them cash up front. And there are prosecutions around the country which highlight that this is an endemic feature of fruit and vegetable picking in this country. Like it's an endemic feature of the restaurant industry where over 50% of workers are paid cash in hand. And again, that's because of the pressure placed on small business essentially to make profits by cutting down their costs. So now they want us, well, not me, I've done my fruit picking in the past, they, well, I ate more cherries than I actually picked, I think. That's why I only lasted a few days. But that's another story. They want you to go out there to pick fruit for a minimum wage in harsh conditions. Well, they want fruit pickers. They want pickers. They want Australians to go out there, permanent residents, Australian citizens to go out there and do this type of work. Well, why don't we just pay them award rates? Why don't we provide them with decent accommodation? Then maybe people would do that type of work. Just maybe. Just maybe. Who knows? Maybe I'm stupid, but maybe. Just maybe. So, the war's on. It's back. It's back. Basic card, lazy people on social security benefits, dull bludgers, leaners and movers... You know, uh, welfare, welfare, the cost of welfare. The language is changing and that's softening us up to divide us up once again because they don't need us anymore to come together to deal with the COVID-19 crisis. There is a vaccine around the corner. They don't need that. So let's get back to the good old days. The federal police not only raiding the uh, ABC a few uh, a few years ago because they leaked information, they were given information about the atrocities that were occurring in Afghanistan. Today, as I speak, the federal police have just raided uh, CFM MEU uh, officers in Sydney. That's right, the federal police, they're out there. I mean, they criminalised um, activity. Oh, yeah, an Australian value is to criminalise political activity. That's right. An Australian value is to criminalise being a member of a trade union. That's right. So we have them out there putting out their little warrants. So as I said, the honeymoon is over. COVID-19 honeymoon is over. It's time to get back into the struggle. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. That's right. It gets better, doesn't it? I just can't believe it. I cannot believe it. And the last one, <laughs> well, one of the last things I want to talk about is the race for the vaccine. Now, it's interesting that um, most of the race for the vaccine in the Western world has been in the private sector. Now, obviously, the first company to get their little vaccine approved, and I'll be on the front line for a vaccine. I've got no problems about vaccination. I'd like to make that exceptionally clear. No problems whatsoever, as long as it's proven to be safe. So we have these private corporations out there spruiking their product, which is their vaccine. And a week ago, we saw the stock market go 
gangbusters. Sorry, Mr. Keating, for using your words there. Go gangbusters because one corporation said, we've got a vaccine that is 95% effective, but we have to... You know, we've got to, it's got to be under 80 degrees and it's difficult. It goes on and on, minus 80 degrees, it goes on and on. And then this, a few days ago, another company said, aha, we've trumped you. We've got a better vaccine. It's 95% effective and it doesn't have to be refrigerated under minus 80 degrees. It can be refrigerated in a standard refrigerator, well, special refrigerator, minus 20 for four weeks. Yoo-hoo, our product is better. So here they are, jostling, jostling for a position regarding ensuring that it's their vaccine which makes the bucks. Now, as I said before, this is why I'm angry. Commonwealth Serum Laboratory privatised for $299 million in 1994. Now, if we had a publicly owned Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, we could have been as a nation... We could have put all our energies into that organisation to provide a vaccine and not be hostages and not sign agreements with private corporations whose major responsibility is to increase profits for their major shareholders. So, as you can see, it's a difficult week and it's going to get more and more difficult as we go along because they think that you're on your knees. They think that you've lost the will to struggle. They think that you're so consumed by the COVID-19 hysteria that you'll just be a passive spectator. Now, democracy, even representative democracy, is not just about casting a vote every three or four years for a representative to make decisions for you over the next three to four years, democracy is about constant, ongoing activism, constant, ongoing activity to push both the corporate sector and governments at all levels to increase not just the freedoms that we require, freedom of association, freedom of movement, freedom of speech, but to ensure that our basic necessities, the basic necessities of the citizens of that particular country and the residents are taken care of. That's what democracy is about. It's not about casting a ballot and giving them a signed blank cheque to make decisions for you for the next three to four years. Now, those of you who think that we are somehow, you know, we're kind of living in la-la land when we think that public interest before corporate interest is going to be elected as a federal government. We have no illusions about that. But the main problem in Australia today is the lack of viable alternatives. We don't hear about them on the Government Guild at ABC. We definitely don't hear about them in the corporate-owned media. All we hear about in those situations is, uh, you know, fake news. So we don't hear about alternative ideas anymore. You just don't hear about them in the legacy media or even social media to a significant degree. Obviously, there's a lot of issue-orientated politics these days, you know, a lot of stuff about that. Divide and rule, the list goes on and on. But when we're looking at 
organisations, political parties that look to take a wider sweep, look at society as a whole, those ideas are not out there in the community. And that's what the anarchist world this week is about, is to put those ideas back in the community. That's what public interest before corporatism is about, is to put those ideas back in the community. I stood as Lord Mayor for the City of Melbourne twice. I think it was in 2008 and 2012. Why did I stand? To put the idea of Tanaminaway and Morbohina and the massacres as part and parcel of everyday conversation in the city of Melbourne. And we succeeded in having the monument erected at Tanaminaway and Morbohina as freedom fighters in Melbourne in 2016 as a result of a long-standing campaign that went over 10 years. And the whole point about standing was to raise ideas. And public interest before corporatists is interested in standing to raise ideas in the community about how things need to be different, can be different, and will be different if enough of us are involved. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Don't despair if I don't answer straight away. It sometimes takes a day or two. 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can email me at info at pipsy.net. Info at pipsy.net. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Yes, I do answer letters. If you've got any $1.10 stamps floating, please send them. We'll be doing another mass mail out for Pipsy in the next six six to eight weeks. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Instagram, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I-A-U-S. What else? Uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Facebook. Public Housing, Everybody's Business, Facebook, Toscano for the Public, Facebook, Joseph Toscano, Facebook, anarchistmedia.org, pipsy.net, the list goes on and on. So don't say you can't contact us. Don't forget about Eureka on the 3rd of December. Don't forget about the West Papuan office. We are short of members. The office will close down if we don't get another 25 members in the next six months. So... Give us a call, 0439 395 489. I'll talk more about the West Papuan situation next week and the United Liberation Movement for West Papua and the role that the office in Melbourne has played in that liberation struggle to raise that liberation struggle in the United Nations Decolonisation Committee and the rest of the world because that movement... Let's not forget that on the 20th of October, the provision... the uh, United Liberation Movement of West Papua and the West Papua Armed Forces have declared a transitional government in West Papua and the uh, Indonesian government just sent in another 1,500 troops to uh, quell unrest. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr. Listening to the Anarchist World this week, next week. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 
10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.